You're listening to the P is for Profit podcast with Adam Lean, where it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep and how much freedom you enjoy. Welcome to P is for Profit, a podcast that breaks down business concepts into simple and clear language. This season is dedicated to interviewing e-commerce experts that can help you improve your e-commerce business. I recently had the pleasure of interviewing the founder of an e-commerce coaching agency that helps online retail businesses grow. Selena knows what she's talking about because she's been there. She's owned multiple online and brick and mortar stores, and she's on a mission to help other people grow their stores. So why does this matter? Well, you know how you look at Facebook or Instagram and see everyone else's great life. You're essentially looking at their highlight reel while comparing it to your entire life. This, of course, is not healthy, but everybody does it. But this is also what happens all the time with business owners. Many business owners feel like every other business owner out there is way more successful than they really are and that they are all possess more business knowledge than you do. This, of course, is not true. It's easy to fall into the trap of comparing yourself with other businesses. It's also easy to feel isolated in business. So you need to surround yourself with people that are in your corner, people that want to see you succeed. People that will give you objective guidance. People that will give you the extra boost of confidence so that you'll take action. So let's jump into the interview with Selena and see how she does these things with the business owners she works with. Our guest today is Selena Knight. She is an e-commerce coach who has owned e-commerce and brick and mortar retail stores. And her passion is to help independent retailers have a profitable retail business without burning out. Selena, welcome to the show. Hi, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. So it is great to talk to a e-commerce coach because you work with e-commerce store owners on pretty much every aspect of their business. Uh, and I know we'll get into that in just a minute, but tell us how you got to this point. How did, how did you become an e-commerce coach? Uh, I will jump in and say I don't generally like that term coach because okay. I, don't know, I don't actually know if I'm the best coach. I call myself a strategist. And the reason I do that is because I do do that coaching part, which is I have total confidence in the people I work with. And I think that's one of my superpowers is that I can see the potential in people and I can see just if they just did a few other things that their business or their life would get so much better. And when it comes to brand archetypes, I just did a podcast on brand archetypes and I'm the hero and the ruler almost in equal parts. And the hero is the person who has the confidence. Like the hero is like a sports coach, but the ruler is all about strategy and steps. And so I kind of mix the two of them together and I give people the next steps that they have to take. But in the meantime, I am in the background going, you can do this, you can do this. <laughs> yeah. Now, how I got into this was. I've been in this game for in the retail slash e-commerce game for over a decade now. I started my first e-commerce business back in 2007 and I did that because I just sort of bearing in mind Facebook was only brand new back then. I was on Facebook in 2008 as one of the first businesses. We were still hanging out in forums back then mm -hmm. and we didn't have internet on our phones in 2007. So the e-commerce landscape was pretty barren. There are lots of purple and green websites out there. And sadly, I used Wayback Time Machine the other day to look at what my first website looked like. And 
lo and behold, there's the purple and the green. What type of website was it? What did you uh, it was on Flash. It had flash, okay. it had lots of, you know, before sliders were a thing, we had lots of pictures flashing up. And then we went to OzCommerce. That was our first um, iteration of an e-commerce platform. Uh, mm. But even before then, I whilst I didn't have the e-commerce site, I was actually selling off of the forums and people would just private message me. So I was selling, of all things, reusable baby nappies. And so we, they're called modern cloth nappies. And there was a huge market for it because sustainability was making a resurgence and people wanted to you know, have a lighter impact on, you know, lighter footprint on the, on the globe. And you couldn't buy these things in stores. In fact, it was almost hard to buy them in Australia. So that was my first foray into importing as well. I started importing the fabric to make them from China. And then I also started importing product from the U.S., and I could tell you a lot of stories <laughs> about importing, but uh, eventually I got to the point where that little side hustle was making me enough money to quit my job. And so as a result, looking back, you know, people often say, if you could tell yourself one thing, it would be like, do you realize you're opening a business in the middle of the global economic downturn? Probably mm. not the smartest move, but I did. I quit my government job, so nice, well-paid job, set hours, holidays, rostered days off in the month, and I opened this retail store, the first one of its kind in Australia. So that was really exciting. The downside of that was someone else did the same thing two weeks later, but in a different state. So clearly we were on the forefront of what was happening in the retail landscape. Now, eventually, I ended up growing that into a chain of stores, both on and offline. So we started online and then we opened up the bricks and mortar stores. And in 2015, I actually sold those businesses because I'd processed myself out of the business. I was literally turning up at work every single day to play on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is great. It's it's where every business wants to be. And But for me, the challenge was gone. The minute that one of my team actually said to me, what are you doing here? Like you, all you really do is hassle the customers because you're bored and hang out on Facebook. As soon as that became you know, obvious to me, because I was in denial, I decided to sell the businesses because it just wasn't, there was no passion in there. And by this point, my daughter was seven, I think at the time. So I was sort of out of the baby world anyway. I didn't have any relevance in it. And so I built this business and ended up just selling it off to somebody else. So you created systems enough and processes that sort of allowed uh, other people to, to run the business. What, how did you do that? What was the turning point? Oh, the turning point. I could actually remember the turning point. And it was when we were using the back end of OzCommerce as our point of sale, because even point of sales weren't, they weren't particularly affordable back then. And so I remember hiring a new person and after about a week, she was like, I can't use this thing. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just writing this stuff down in an exercise book when we sell it because it is just way too confusing to go in and start a customer up. And then I have to go to the front page of the website and add all the things that they've bought. It's too time consuming. And she was like, if you can't change this, I'm leaving. And that was the point where I kind of realized 
you can fly by the seat of your pants for a certain amount of time. And I guess that's, you know, I heard this great quote, which was, you can hustle to a million dollars. And I think that's that's probably pretty correct. You can just keep doing things the way they're doing up to a certain point. But when your staff threaten to leave because it's just too stressful working in your business, that is when you know you have a problem. So that is when I started writing out processes on how to do things. And we just had them in, um, you know, those folders with like the clear pages and you pop the, I think they're called display books. So we just had one of those behind the counter. And every time a new thing would come up, we would write them. But the great thing is when you have great staff, they do it themselves. And so it would get to the point where we ended up moving to a proper point of sale. That was a bit of a catalyst there too. We ended up moving to a proper point of sale and I would come in and I'd see in our communications book, oh, Venn had an update. It's okay. I've sorted out the processes and printed them. The new ones are in the communications book. That's great. (laughs) When people are upgrading your business without you being there, you know you have a great team and you know that you're a great leader to empower them to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. So sort of a standard operating procedures book that constantly gets updated by the team. Yeah. We actually had, because we're quite tech savvy, we actually had a Google Sites intranet. So we had the most common things in the display book. So if you had to do a refund or if you have problems with your merchant facilities, those things you could sort of just get out and follow along by the book. But the more advanced stuff, that sat in a Google Sites intranet that we all had access to. And we even had like our roster in there because everyone could access it on their phones. So before all, before you could buy all this stuff out of the box, and that's one of the big things that I've seen change over the last decade is the stuff we were spending a lot of money on, you can now get for $5 a month. Like don't yeah. reinvent the wheel, guys. <laughs> this, this stuff is out there. You just have to pay for it, but it's only a little bit of money. Yep. I know exactly what you mean. I started my first e-commerce in uh, business in 2005, <laughs> and the the just the cost of getting a merchant account to to accept credit cards <laughs> was yeah. a hassle. So, somebody had to actually come out to my office and uh, interview me in order to approve <laughs> approve me for a merchant account. Yeah, well, we were the same. We couldn't get a merchant account until someone came out to our store to verify. We couldn't have it when we just had online. We just used PayPal back in the day. But as soon as we had the physical store, someone had to actually come out and make sure that that physical store existed and then we got it. (laughs) So you have something called the five pillars of retail success. And I'm very curious about this. So can you uh, explain what these five pillars are? I will. And before I jump in, I sound so organized when I'm talking to you about all these systems and processes, (laughs) but in actual fact, I run my life from Google Calendar because if I don't, nothing gets done. Like even my weekly cleaner is in the calendar so I don't book in a podcast or something. All of these things, all of these processes, all of these structures, the five pillars, all of these have come as a result of being lazy. (laughs) It sounds so counterintuitive, but I don't want to have to do something twice. If I could do it and it works, let's just create a process for it. Let's automate it if we can, or let's make it really easy for someone to take over that job. So all of this is born from being a lazy CEO of my business. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. I wouldn't say it's lazy necessarily, but you're putting systems in place so that you can work on your business instead of having to work in your business all the time. 
Yeah. And the upside of all of this is it really empowers your team. It shows them that you have faith because if you can just hand something, if you can hand a process over and it's quite a well-written process, this is the joy of getting your staff to do it themselves because they don't miss steps. Like they're following it word for word is they feel so confident and they feel like they own part of the business as a result. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Okay. I know I don't have an awful lot of time and I will talk forever. So let's quickly jump into these five pillars and they're quite broad, but essentially there's five pillars, uh, money, and that's going to cover things like, and we always put money first because at the end of the day, if your business is not making money, you don't have a business and you can't continue to grow. And I've got this great saying, which is more money, more impact. And a lot of people start e-commerce and retail businesses because they're passionate about the thing that they sell. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. So Mm -hmm. what I find is if we don't put money first, then nothing else happens because you don't have money to invest in your business. You don't have money to buy better product. You don't have money to advertise. You don't have money for customer acquisition. So everything that you do, every decision that you make, if you don't get money right, comes from a place of reaction And then it's also every decision you make is based on fear or stress because you're constantly thinking, should I pay that supplier or should I run $10 worth of Facebook ads or $100 worth of Facebook ads because I need to make money if I sell it, if I I don't sell. So money is always the first foundational pillar. And then we move into sales and sales covers lots of things. It's a pretty big big bucket. It's your obvious sales, like the sales you're 30% off, but it's also promotions and people get those two things very, very confused. So a promotion is, you know, a supplier comes to you and says, we're going to give you a gift with purchase, or if you buy two, we'll we'll give you a discount. So promotions are generally done in conjunction with a supplier, but it's also things like events and joint venture partnerships and believe it or not, your product mix. So your product assortment, the stuff you have in your shop, because if that is wrong, your sales are going to go down. So sales is important. And a lot of this stuff is made is, is fear-based. A lot of fear happens in the old retail and e-commerce business. In fact, a lot of fear happens in any business because all of a sudden, and I, can I just grab this quote for you? Because I think it totally sums up what one of my um, clients said. She said to me, I was really scared to make decisions in my business and take control because I was so used to other people telling me what I needed to do when I had a job. How insightful is that? Yeah. And this is so true. Most of us had a job before we went into business and most of us had a boss. And stepping into this boss mentality is really, really difficult, even if you're your own employee. Getting out of your own way is really important. So the first one is money. The second one is sales. And the third one is customers. Now, this is actually the biggest pillar of all because without the customers, you don't have the money. And customers covers your acquisition, your retention, and your customer experience. So your team is in there, your systems that you're using to enhance the customer experience or your customer acquisition. And what I find a lot of problems in this pillar is that either everything is all manual or everything is all automated. So for something like customer acquisition, it's all autom- it's all it's all manual. Like someone is is physically looking at email addresses and typing in newsletters. There's not an order lot or, or there's not an awful lot of automation in there. And so even if you have a retail store, often this is copying somebody's email address down. 
so few e-commerce businesses actually have a great lead capture form. I would say the majority of, of websites I go to offer me a discount in some way, shape or form. Now, I'm not necessarily a discount shopper. And all that does is put my impression of that brand. It just cheapens my impression of that brand. It's like, really? Your stuff's not good enough for me to pay full price on the first go? That's my first thought. Like, are you that desperate for my money that you don't want me to pay full price? So so what do you recommend that people do instead of a discount to to get email addresses? A hundred percent, you have to answer a question that your customer has. So for example, um, I actually have a really good guide. Can I share a guide with you? Can I give you a guide afterwards? Yeah. So I've got this guide on um, five ways to grow your tribe without breaking the bank. And in it, this is exactly what we talk about. So I'll I'll just quickly run off what those five things are. And then I can give you a link and people can go and download it for free. Okay. Um, But the first one is just having a checklist. So the biggest opt-in that we ever had in our baby store was your ultimate hospital baby, ultimate hospital bag checklist. Now, there are a gazillion hospital bag checklists out there, but if someone has come to your website and that's what they're in the market for, it just moves you into a higher place of authority and we're going to get to that shortly. So something like a checklist, a quiz, Millennials love quizzes. We all love quizzes. If you can, and this is what I was saying earlier about software, once upon a time, building a quiz would have been like a huge amount of of JavaScript and backend coding. Now you can go and buy some quiz software for five bucks a month. Now, if you can be getting leads for $5 a month, who would say no to that? Um, Lots of video. Like we all know now in our Facebook feed, in our Instagram feed, it doesn't cost anything to create a video. And some of the best videos are ones that people have shot on their iPhone. And so I have this running joke about I cannot tie a scarf. I just can't. (laughs) So whenever I want to get fancy with a scarf that isn't just wrapped around my neck, I have to go and watch a video tutorial. Like I've, I've done it so many times you think I should know, but it's just this thing in my brain that doesn't work. So if I went to your website, it's winter here in, in Australia, if I went to your website and the first thing I saw was, you know, sign up to get our seven easy fashion videos on how to do this, this and this, I'd be like, hell yeah, I want to know how to do those things. I want to ha- know how to go today, tonight with just two accessories. I want to know how to up-level, you know, how to make my jeans fit for my perfect shape. Like you you're good at what you do when you run this business. You know more about your stuff than I do. So just tell me what that stuff is. Um, And the other thing is building a a true VIP community. And I don't just mean asking everybody to come in. Like when I say a VIP community, I really do mean those diehard loyal fans. I call them boomerangs and drum beaters. So boomerangs are those people who come back again and again and again and again and again. And maybe they don't spend the most amount of money but they are there all the time checking in to see what's new. And the drum beaters, they're the ones who tell everybody else about you. And funnily enough, they may not have actually ever bought anything from you, but they are your biggest advocates. So you can't, you can't forget about those people. And so this is where customer experience can get, the lines can get a little bit murky because it's like, well, do I just take the people who've spent the most amount of money? Or do I just take the people who hit my store the most often? 
this is where your stats, you, know, you have to make a decision on, on who those people are. And I think if you build a true community that isn't just a whole bunch of people, then that's when you get that community buy-in. And brands like Lululemon do it really, really well. Like you can come in store and do some yoga. You, know, you can be part of their tribe. And that's what people want these days. I was just at a conference. As I said, I like to talk. I was just at a conference last week. And purpose is the thing for 2020. If your business has a purpose, you will get the customers. Mm. So that's what I would say is have a think about why you're in business and then have a think about those sort of top questions that you get asked all the time that aren't when is my order coming and give them that because there's so much more buy-in than 10% off. Don't cheapen your brand. 10% off is 10% pure profit that you've just lost because stats show that the number that you have to discount to get people over the line when they were only thinking about buying. So at 10% off, they were already going to buy. 10% off is not enough to make somebody change their mind. That number is 35%. Wow. And most people can't afford to give away 35% of no. their pure profit. They have a negative margin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So stop thinking that everybody is out to get a discount unless you are a hundred percent a discounter. Don't give that first impression that my stuff is not good enough for you to pay full price. Mm. That's a little side tangent where, there. <laughs> where, where can people get that guide of the of the five ways to grow your tribe? Okay, so I'll give you the link. It's selenanight.com forward slash tribe. And I'll give you the link because no one ever spells my name right and you can pop it in your show notes. And people okay. and I go into each one of those in a lot more detail. Okay. Um, so that's the big customer. That's the big pillar. Uh, then we get into marketing. And what we just talked about was a bit of marketing as well. So you've got your paid marketing, your organic, which is your social and your word of mouth. But also you have in-store and website marketing. So this is where a lot of stuff just gets overlooked because you forget that your website is actually a billboard. And so there are really great brands who do this well, people like The Iconic over in Australia. They'll have like um, promotions inside of each category page. So whilst you have your homepage, when you hit categories, you'll see other promotions as well. And even if that promotion is just a lookbook or, you know, shop, shop winter, the winter edit, it's still a promotion. And so I think that's kind of the missing link quite often when it comes to marketing is using what you already have, the space you already have. Because if you've paid for somebody to get to your website, then you need to market the bejesus out of it when they get there. Um, so that's probably the big one. And it's, there's a lot of like overlooked places when it comes to marketing. And the biggest one, which I'm sure you've talked about loads of times, Adam, is just retargeting people because you've already paid for them. In some way, shape, or form, you've already paid for them to hit your website. So go back and sell to them because it's going to be so much cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the fifth pillar, the fit, poor Adam hasn't gotten a word in edgewise. Do you no, have something that you great. want to ask me? <laughs> no, this is great. I, I was just going to add that, you know, I don't know what the, the exact stat is, but the average conversion rate on an e-commerce store is something like one and a half percent. So that's, that's 98.5% of all people that come to the store that don't buy. So it, you have to retarget and, and try to capture them in some way. <laughs> yeah, and you can't be offended if they don't buy on the first time because right, not everybody course. does. Sometimes, sometimes life just gets in the way. 
I just happened to open up a, when I was closing down things for this podcast, I had a, a browser open and it was on a cart page and I had completely forgotten that I wanted to buy that thing. <laughs> it just, sometimes life just gets in the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so, so the, fifth, uh, the fifth pillar. So the fifth pillar is my favorite. And the reason it's my favorite is because it can exponentially grow your business. And I'll throw in a few examples in a minute. But the best part about it is it doesn't actually cost anything. For the most part, if you do this well, it doesn't cost anything. And I call this the next level pillar, but essentially it's these esoteric things that most brands are too scared to go after. And that is things like entering awards. Now, notice I didn't say winning awards. Entering awards is good enough. Uh, Getting PR, being featured in the local paper, being featured I mean, we don't have to talk about being in vogue. If you've been on <laughs> your local TV station, I'm I'm fine with that because automatically you have authority. So this next level is a lot of authority building, being that niche leader, like putting the videos out there, putting content out there, all the stuff people are telling you to do and building that brand awareness. But there's also another part in here that is really, really close to my heart. And that is having support, having a community around you in whatever form. And we can talk about that in a minute. But I just want to tell you a story about this lovely lady called Sarah. And she runs this business in Australia. It's a subscription business called Box for Monkeys. And her subscription business is every month you get a box of educational games for um, your child. And they're not gender specific, so they're gender neutral. And they're in age groups. So there might be like a three to four, a five to eight, and then an eight to 12. And they delivered to your door every single day. Now, it doesn't, I mean, it's a kind of good concept, but the thing was Sarah really, really quickly. So she'd been in business uh, about four years now. She was one of the first people I interviewed on my podcast. She really quickly decided that for this to work because subscription businesses were still kind of new back then. She needed to, to let people know. And she said to me yesterday, do you know what? I thought, damn it, I'm just going to apply for an award because this is a pretty innovative idea. And she applied for an award and she won it. And the thing was, since then, she has been on, I don't know, 50 or 60 panels when it comes to e-commerce businesses and how she's built her subscription business. She now talks about things like how I, you know, the, the, the steps, steps that I have to take to import from China. She has so many different aspects of her business. And this is the thing, when you run your business, you're learning these things as you go. You probably know how to import. You probably know how to find great product. You probably know how to make deals with suppliers and other people want to know that too. And it doesn't matter if you're a leader in your customer's eyes or if you're a leader in your industry's eyes. The fact is, if you can say that I've been featured in all these places, then Instantly, you have what we like to call social proof, right? You've got street cred. And Sarah's business has grown exponentially, like stratospherically, all because she gets up and speaks at events. She is on panels. She writes articles for for businesses. She's been featured in some really high-profile magazines. Sure, she can get paid for it, but now she's one of the leading speakers all around the world on subscription boxes. And she's not Harry's, you know, she's not doing $20 million, but she's built this cult following and everybody wants to share that they're part of her success. And that's what your customers want too. 
And this is where community comes into it because one of the other things that Sarah was saying to me is there were so many times that I was lonely that I was so lucky to have this community of speakers that I could go out to and have these conversations with. And this is like I'm really passionate about this because I'm seeing it more and more and more with e-commerce businesses. We sit behind a screen and we might talk to customers and maybe you even talk to your team but if you don't have someone to talk to on the same level, it can get, you can just get stuck in a rut. And when that happens, you make really poor decisions. You stop doing all those other four pillars really, really well because you're just like, oh, my sales aren't growing. Oh, I can't be bothered to do a marketing campaign or oh, Facebook ads don't work or oh, my staff suck. They're so bad that you know I really should get rid of them. If you don't have someone to have that conversation with, like, you know what, I've got this person and they're really, really lovely, but when it comes to customer experience, you know, they answer the phones when I get my returns and they're just a bit brash and I'm getting a bit of feedback that the customers don't really like it. But they're, but, but, but Jane's a really nice person and I really don't want to let her go. You know, at the end of the day, you are running a business and customer experience has to be at that key. And if you don't have other people to talk to, at your level or above. So I'm not saying talking to your staff about this stuff. You need to be talking to other people who are doing the same thing that you're doing. Because when you don't, that is when your business stagnates. And the reason I wanted to talk to you about this, like I said, I can give you a gazillion strategies, but this is this podcast is about profit. And I see e-commerce and retail businesses profits plummeting when they're isolated. And so just quickly to in um, with another example, the gorgeous Jen Gill, she runs a business in Australia called Mountain Bikes Direct, uh, very high seven figures, just about to hit eight figures. And she got up and talked about how this was really important for them as a business is they joined a, a coaching group and they said, we just wanted someone who we could talk to about the plugins on our website or, you know, a customer experience thing that we were having problems with or what we needed to do, she said that they had they wanted to move away from their email service platform, and just having people who were doing who were doing eight figures, having those people to talk to, meant that they could make really educated decisions on where their business could grow. And that didn't, you know, that cost them because they got coaching with it. But this doesn't have to be an expensive thing. You can go and join a peer group. You can make your own peer group, but you have to be okay with opening up. And like I said earlier, I probably said it about 20 times, so much fear is involved in running a business. And we don't want to be judged. We don't want to say to somebody, oh, I only did $250,000 next like last year when the person next to you did seven hundred and fifty. You feel inferior. So I think getting past that is so important because if you did two hundred and fifty and the person next to you did seven hundred and fifty. Go and ask them what they did. Explain where you're at right now and say, and what would you recommend? Maybe it's as simple as adding a plugin to the website. I love Zipify pages for product landing pages and product upsells. Like product upsells is the bomb. If you're not doing product upsells on your website, I reckon, well, you're losing 30% of your revenue. Or you could be, no, that's the opposite. You're missing out on 30% more revenue. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing marketing, and, and I'm not making all these stats up. If people want to go and have a look, there's a great website called Castora. They do a lot of retail analytics. So if you're not doing email marketing well, 
there's another 25% of revenue that you're missing out on. So all these little things that you could be implementing are exponentially, you know, they exponentially give you return on investment. But what I see, especially when you're, like I said earlier, you can hustle to a million dollars. So what I see is in that up to a million dollars is people are juggling all the things. So sure, you might have a couple of staff members, but you are still responsible for everything. You are responsible for the people who are coming in the door or to the website. You are responsible for HR. You're responsible for looking after contractors if you've got them. You're responsible for choosing the right product mix and making sure it gets up on the website correctly. All those things are still new. And so if you don't have a group of people that you can talk to that says, oh, do you know if you just did this, you could get 12 hours of your month back. Yeah. And I'm sure you could come up with 20 things right now, Adam, that people could implement in their business or take out of their business that would give them this time back. But I've discovered that being busy is a badge of honour. Right. Do you reckon? Do you think? Yes, absolutely. Being busy just means that you, if you're, if you're too busy, that just means you don't have control over your time. Ah, bingo. You've got it in one. I think that is 100% true. Being busy to me is actually the, it's, it's like the opposite. It's saying I don't have a successful business because if I had a successful business, I'd just be able to outsource this or delegate this or automate it. So I think being busy, we've got to stop using that as this badge of honour so that other people think we're successful. That's what it is. It's like if I'm busy, I must be successful. If you're too busy to do these other things that will next level your business, then actually you're not successful. Well, you're not as successful. Sorry, I'll take that back. That's, That's quite negative. You're not as successful as you could be. Yeah. I mean, you've got to work on the business on the most important things that will move the move the business forward. Because I agree and, with you. A lot of people spend their time doing low value tasks just so that they can have that dopamine hit of crossing something off their task list. To do list, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and there's so, as I said, there's so much judgment because you look at these businesses that are everywhere. And and I have this gorgeous client, Rebecca, and I've been working with her. She's been in business for ten years, and we've been working together for about twelve months. And I, I made her start going out and doing awards. I pushed her out of her comfort zone and she didn't win the first five or six. But what she did was she started to get recognition because she was a finalist in all these awards. And that's all you need to be. Even a nominee in an award is fine. Mm-hmm. And then she runs a skincare business. And then all of a sudden she was being featured in magazines. And then on top of all of that, her skincare line got picked up as the preferred brand for a movie set. Wow. Didn't pay for, I mean, sometimes you have to pay for an award, $100 or $200. Actually, those are the ones you should go in because that's all the tie kickers get weeded out. So she didn't spend an awful lot of money, a couple hundred dollars here and there, but the brand recognition came with it. And so I think one of the biggest things is, one of the biggest takeaways from what I'm going to say today is stop getting in your own way. Go and find a community of people. Now, whether that is one-on-one coaching or whether that's group coaching or whether that's, we've just built this thing just recently called the collective, the retail collective. And it's, it's really dirt cheap. It's a dollar a day and you do get some training, but mostly what you get is community. You can have these conversations or go and start your own. If you're at that point in your business where you don't have the extra cash, 
go and find three or four other business owners that you look up to and say, hey, let's meet once a month for a mastermind. And don't just meet for a chat. Have an agenda. Make this a business decision. Um, mm, yeah. And stop, stop letting fear of everything ruin, ruin your life. And those businesses that you're seeing in the paper, and that, like I'm not the expert in how to get PR, but what I do know is if you put yourself out of your comfort zone and you look at those other businesses and you emulate them, that is when you get this, what I like to call exponential growth. So there's linear growth, which is 30% year on year growth, but there are businesses that go from 250,000 to a million, all because they put themselves out of their comfort zone. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. This is a very different podcast for me. (laughs) I'm so used to giving you five steps to do something. But honestly, I'm just seeing people crack. I'm in Facebook groups and people are like, I'm in tears because of this. And and maybe that's not a guy thing, but I'm stuck. I'm paralyzed. I can't even make a decision because now I'm second guessing myself. Just go and find somebody as a sounding board so that you can grow your business. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I mean, we could we could talk about this all day long because I 100% agree with everything that you're saying. And I love the five pillars of retail success. Where can, where can people find you to learn more? Okay, so you can find me over at selenanight.com and that's S-A-L-E-N-A-K-N-I-G-H-T.com or on the Bringing Business to Retail podcast. And if the collective sounds like something that's interesting, you can find it on the Selena Knight website, but it also has its own website, which is theretailcollective.net. And there is one thing you should never do. You should never get give people three calls to action. So let's just say <laughs> head over to selenanight.com and then you can see the podcast and everything else that goes with it. Got it. Okay. Well, we'll put those things in the show notes as well. Fantastic. Uh, and I'll make sure I'll give you a link to that download as well. Oh, yes. The, the five ways to grow your tribe. Perfect. Well, Selena, this has been very, very helpful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me do a whole bunch of talking. I feel like I didn't let you get too much of a word in edgewise, but I'm really passionate about helping people scale. So hopefully you can take something away from today and implement it. And of course, let me know, like DM me on Instagram or Facebook or something. If you got something out of this and it makes a difference, I love to hear results. Yeah, excellent. We'll put all that, uh, your contact info in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Selena. Thanks. The P is for Profit podcast is sponsored by the CFO Project. We help small business owners and entrepreneurs pocket bigger profits. If you're ready to discover the five changes required to boost your profits this quarter, you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Why Your Small Business Might Not Be As Profitable As It Should Be. Register at the CFO project.com slash video.